Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Eye on the Future with your host, Lady Fontaine, co-host Dr. Jean Cirillo, Eileen Guan, and Frank Todaro. Special guest co-host, Joanna Sanchez. This is Eye on the Future. And now, Lady Fontaine. This is Lady Fontaine, and you're listening to Eye on the Future. We have a great show in store for you tonight, although a little bit different than most nights. Tonight we'll be, t- we'll be talking about paranormal investigations. Yep, you heard that right, paranormal as in ghost busting. Tonight you'll meet my close friend Jim Elkin, who is my partner in crime in paranormal investigations. Jim, are you on the line? I'm here. I'm well, here. welcome to the show, and feel free to join in on the conversation anytime. Thank you, Hi, Frank. Stay tuned, because later in the show, we'll be taking your calls. Pick up the phone and get in the queue right now. Give us a call at 646-381-4141 to discuss whatever is troubling you, love, career, life, or tonight, we want to hear your stories or questions about ghosts or the paranormal. Give us a call and let us help you help guide you along life's Journeys, Dr. Jean Cirillo, prominent New York psychologist and top relationship expert, is with us tonight, as she is every Tuesday evening. Dr. Cirillo and I will be taking your calls later in the show, so stay tuned. This should be a great night with great advice and lots of surprises. The phone lines are open, so call us at 646-381-4141. We have extended the show, and we will be taking your calls until 12.20 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So give us a call. The switchboard is already lighting up, and we're waiting to hear from you. It's now time for Lady Fontaine's thought for today. Tonight I want to talk about validating one's feelings and how that honors you when it happens. And at best, it's difficult when one's feelings are not being validated. I want to share with you a recent experience in my life that really threw me for a loop. Um, This past weekend was both frustrating and disappointing for me. The cause of the frustration was something totally out of my control, the bad weather in the mid-Atlantic states. The problem was I had an event that I wanted to go to and due to the weather was unable to make. I had waited for this event, gosh, it must have been for like over eight months, and I had my heart set on it. I show dogs, and the event was an important dog show. The judge for this show was one that I felt would be good for Crystal, my number one gal. After the show, I planned to retire Crystal, so in my mind, um, I felt, you know, uh, I, I wanted this grand finale, you know, with her in the ring, and it just would have been a beautiful way to sort of, you know, put some sort of closure on her amazing accomplishments in the show ring. Crystal isn't my first champion, but she is the one who truly defines me and who I am. I know this all must sound minuscule in the grand scheme of things, but it was important to me. Anyhow, due to a series of complications, I wasn't able to leave Friday before the snow began, and I had to sit and wait and wait and wait on Saturday, hoping to wait out the storm and still have time to get to Virginia, which is about a nine-hour trip for me. 
Initially, they had said that by late afternoon, <coughs> the snow would stop, um, which would still give me time to get down there. And let me tell you, dog show people will drive all night to get to a dog show, and I've done that many, many times. So I was ready, willing, and able. <clears throat> well, the winter storm warning kept getting extended and pushed back into the wee hours of the morning, and the radio and TV reports indicated brutal road conditions and accidents all over the place with conditions not improving until sometime on Sunday. So reluctantly, I finally admitted to myself that I could not safely make the trip, and I was really very disappointed about it. Well, well-intending friends tell me I could have gotten stuck or I could have had an accident or some terrible things could have happened. Other friends tell me I have all these blessings in my life that I should focus on rather than, you know, focusing my attention on this disappointment. The reality is, in intellectual terms, they're all right. But in emotional terms, I was disappointed and could not see beyond that. As friend after friend tried to console me by telling me how bad the roads were, how many accidents there were, how this terrible fate could have fallen upon us, I was getting more and more irritated, lashing out at people for not understanding. In reality, all I wanted to hear was someone saying, I understand, I feel terrible, I'm here for you, or something like that. I'm sharing this with you because, yes, there are times that life gets even me down. And the gift for me in this particular experience is to be reminded how difficult it is when any of us are struggling, feeling badly about something or someone. It made me think about the times I give advice here on the show and to my clients on a daily basis. I know many of you are stuck, you know, in your own grief, grief as I was. So the message I want to share with you today is allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel. Don't think you need to feel happy or even grateful. Well, yes, you heard me say that, and I'll explain that in a minute. Hopefully you'll be able to shift and move beyond that feeling of being sad and disappointment, but allow yourself that luxury. For the average person, feeling crappy for a day or so, or hopefully less, should do the trick, and then they'll be back on track. However, if you can't get yourself back on track, then use some of the techniques I often talk about, about shifting into a state of gratitude, but don't rush yourself. For each of us, we just need to be with our feelings until we are ready to shift. When you are ready, you may think to yourself, why did I feel that way? And see what surfaces. What comes to mind usually gives insight into why you felt so upset in the first place. So the message for today is honor yourself by honoring your own feelings, even if those around you don't know how to honor you. Surrounding yourself with people who validate your feelings is a wonderful gift, but at times we don't have that. As children, we learn from our parents that we shouldn't be scared, that children should, should be seen and not heard, that we shouldn't be scared, that we shouldn't be mad or hurt, that we should share everything we have. And many of these things teach us as children that our feelings don't count. Well, let me tell you that they do count. And in an ideal world, it would be wonderful if people learned how to validate the feelings of those around us. Learning to do this is a giant step to beginning a process of bringing miracles into your life as you begin to manifest the things that you truly desire. Um, Dr. Cirillo wasn't on the phone, and really what I was going to ask her was if she had any suggestions from a um, psychological standpoint about helping us through times when we are feeling really crappy 
So do any of you guys have this, did this resonate with any of you guys, times that you're upset about something and there's nobody there to really validate and understand how you're feeling? Of course. I, I go through that a lot. And um, the other day I thought of you because I was really sad. And I said, you know, let me switch into feeling grateful. Let me, let me switch into that. And I wasn't ready. So what I did was I, I allowed myself to be sad and I cried. And then after I cried and acknowledged what I was feeling, the whole thing just lifted. Right. And that's, and that's something that really dawned on me when I was going through this, that here I'm always saying, well, shift into a state of gratitude. You know, allow yourself to see the other side, the other perspectives, look for the gift, look for the lesson. And it really became very evident to me that I'm not stressing that it's okay to feel crappy. I mean, so often I'll have clients who say to me, you know, it's been two days and I'm in a terrible mood and I feel depressed about this. And really what my, my first words always are is it's okay. You know, we all shift when we're ready. And I just wanted to share that story because it really brought to my focus that I'm not expressing that here on the radio. And, Joanna, you did absolutely the right thing. I mean, you allowed yourself to feel anything you needed to feel. and it becomes At what point does it become indulgent though it really matters on the person i mean if somebody is stuck you know for days or weeks or months then there's a problem but for me i know when something's really bothering me a day or two i know me I, i'm going to no matter what i do i'm going to be in this crappy mood for one or two days so i just allow myself to be there it doesn't happen often but when it does there's nothing i could do because if you start to try to shift out of it you end up in a, in a situation of resisting and resistance you know, it's like going to the gym. When you do resistance training, what happens? You build stronger, bigger muscles. Same thing. When you're resisting not feeling sad or when you're resisting not feeling depressed or, you know, um, sad or hurt or angry or whatever it is, it ends it's up getting more and more intense. It's interesting that you use the analogy of, uh, of going to the gym because just to kind of springboard off of that, if you need to exercise a certain part of your body, you use a different type of exercise, correct? So... Different emotions can also help you do different things. And to bottle them up is, is more dangerous than to just, uh, you know, get them out. There's this thing that a teacher used to tell me. If you have butterflies in your stomach, don't try to get rid of them. You make them fly in formation, and you Ooh. use them to direct where you like need to focus huh. your energy. Yeah. Um, so when people tell you, oh, cheer up, it's not that bad. It is that bad to you at You're that right. moment in time. You're right. It's that when the, because the wind is blowing in a northwestern direction and you happen to be wearing a green shirt that day. That's the reason that this is bad to you that time. Same right. thing might happen to you next year. It could be completely no big deal. But there's a reason why you feel the way you feel You're right. at the time you feel it. But culturally, you're not supposed to express those feelings, right? If, yeah, you know, you're you can't taught cry. Not kids. You can't be angry. You know, right. you're always supposed to be, you know, on on the ball, on top of things. And so, you know, I find myself crying at inopportune times. <laughs> like someone will jog a memory, and I'll start crying. <laughs> and and as soon as that happens, people completely freak out and shut down. You know, so it doesn't really our society doesn't lend itself well to embracing expression of emotion, which is so necessary. It is. It truly is. Dr. Cirillo, you joined us? Not yet. Oh, I thought she did. Um, you know, I, I agree 100%, and I really don't know what that fine line is, Joanna, to answer your question, as far as, 
you know, giving an average synopsis of how long it's going to take any person. But obviously if somebody's stuck for weeks or months, it's a problem. And right. they should be getting some sort of help. But, you know, if it's hours, if it's a day, if it's two days, sometimes we just need to feel crappy. Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is, you know, if you have people around you, and I have to say <clears throat> that of everybody that I spoke to over this, the course of this past weekend, you were the only one who said to me, um, you know, I could feel your pain. Um, yeah, I did. You know, you did. You listened. You didn't say a word while I was carrying on. I must have done a, you know, 20-minute um, um, monologue as far as how upset I was with everything, and you just listened, and then you said that you felt my pain and blah, 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 and I felt better after that phone call. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm listening to this conversation. I'm hearing that uh, it's something almost like saying that, that, that the emotions that we have are like, uncomfortable, um, and I, I'm, I'm really saddened to hear that because I've, I find that my feelings are really kind of the spice of my life. Mm. It's, it's really the joy, you know. I, for example, I have a friend who just recently died, and the grief that I'm going over through his death is helping me to really establish him as a part of myself and and to, to see how he has enriched my life. Um, you know, it's interesting. I had grief. my best friend died recently too, and uh, and I've been stuffing it. And you just kind of helped me just now. I can, you know, kind of try to see it differently. When we, when we make the choice to reincarnate into this particular dimension, into this lifetime, we do it because we want to feel those exquisite emotions, be it sadness, be it joy, whatever it is from a spirit and soul perspective. We can't get that when we're in spirit. We, can't, we, we don't have the tangible you know, emotions and feelings that we do in this lifetime. So what Jim said really rang very true to me as far as being, the, you know, the primary reasons as far as why we choose to reincarnate in this particular lifetime. But most people are uncomfortable with it. I mean, they just are. Um, they don't normally see or they don't often see it for, you know, the intensity of, of having a spiritual um, experience by feeling the intense emotions of, you know, sadness, grief, whatever it is. But it truly is why we choose to come back. Mm-hmm. So, so we have to allow us to, ourselves to feel. Yeah, yeah, we do. And and we definitely, it's definitely to our benefit when there are people around us that know how to validate our feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately this week, well, fortunately this weekend I had one, so I'm very grateful <laughs> for that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over it anyhow. I mean, now I'm just looking forward to the next dog show but has, at has the moment. He, has Dr. Chula joined us? Yes. Oh, oh hi, Dr. Hello. Cirillo. Hello, hello. hello. I've hi. been listening intently. Hi. Yes, so could you share with us your thoughts about validating one's feelings, and are, are there any tips that you can give us as far as how to help us through times when we well, are feeling crap? I know in the uh, early 80s, I used to go to the workshops of Dr. Nathaniel Brandon. Uh, he writes a lot of good stuff about owning your feelings, how the way you get to the other side, if you're very, very angry and you keep pushing it aside, the problem stays and the emotion stays. If you let yourself feel it through, then you come to the reason and uh, you get through it. Often these feelings are held in the body as well as in the mind and they, they kind of stay stuck 
until you can feel the feeling and then often the thoughts and everything come out and if sometimes it's something within you like you know you're upset because you have a green shirt i heard that about the northwest wind and the green shirt <laughs> and the air smells like it did uh five years ago when something traumatic happened and if you feel the emotion you might make the connection and it might disappear now if there's something real in your life let's say you're in a bad marriage pain is nature's warning signal if you're repressing the pain you're going to be in that bad marriage when you're 85 and you have less choice than you might have now. So it's either something from the past, and if you feel it and you get through it, you know, that's the end of it. Then it's gone. You know, you've processed it out rather than staying stuck and wondering what it is. But the emotions we're really afraid of are what if it's something that's going on now that I have to tolerate, you know, that I can't just run away from. So you run away from the feeling because it's unpleasant. But just like physical pain, feeling it is and being aware of it is the first step to maybe finding a solution that you wouldn't have thought of if, if you weren't feeling it. So yes, it's much healthier to feel, to acknowledge and feel a bad feeling as well as a good feeling. The other thing is if you're under anesthesia for pain, you can't feel anything good either. The anesthesia blocks out everything. So, yeah, you block out the bad feelings and suddenly you can't love uh, your child. Uh, you can't enjoy doing anything because you've anesthetized your whole mind and body. So you have to feel the feeling and get through it, whether it's good or bad. There's an expression, you've got to feel it to heal it. Yes, yes. You said, you said what I said in one sentence. Very good, very <laughs> concise. <laughs> Yay! All right. Well, the phone lines are open, um, so please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Um, they're here to answer all of your questions about love, relationships, and life. And tonight, we're also wanting to hear your stories about the paranormal and ghost busting. So please call 646-381-4141 to get expert advice on all things that are troubling you. And I'm very excited tonight because we're introducing my astrologer. I have a wonderful astrologer, and she is going to do a pre-recorded weekly astrological starline report for us. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to introduce Lisa Elvin Salteri's weekly astrological starline report. Hi, this is Lisa with the starline report. Aries, you are at your best when you are leading the pack. This week, you'll have the chance to do just that. On the 6th, your career or professional aspirations receive a much-needed vote of approval. You may just be dancing in the streets. A friend's compassion and understanding are what you need on the 8th. Taurus, you continue to plug along in your usual Taurus fashion while you watch others race ahead. Not to fear, this week your efforts are rewarded. On the 8th, a career dream or hope is visualized or actualized. People are definitely in your corner. On the 10th, you are ready to shine on the dotted line for something. Gemini, a money deal gets the green light on the 6th. Business and career goals are finally feeling that they are back on track. Avoid the temptation to overanalyze on the 7th. Things need to unravel as they must. On the 8th, someone from a distance may surprise you and offer you the chance to realize a dream. Cancer, sometimes you need to let go and trust the universe. This is one of those weeks. A family matter may be upsetting around the 7th. 
don't get too involved. On the 8th, you are definitely seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. A trusted friend helps you see the true value of something. Listen up. Leo, finding and keeping the love of your life is your main goal this week as you focus in on what your heart truly wants. A powerful day on the career front on the 6th. You are on the right track. On the 7th, words can bruise, but they cannot break you. Try not to take it personally. Valentine's Day comes early on the 8th for you. Enjoy. Virgo, a romantic couple of days is in store from the 6th to the 8th, as many of you Virgos seek to rekindle some fires or light some new ones. After that, it's back to work time as you focus in on improving your office and work routines. It's time for you to take command of a situation. And on the 10th, you just might. Libra, work matters receive a boost on the 6th as your ability to think big is finally rewarded. Venus and Neptune combine on the 8th to give you romantic Libras a lovely little moment or two. Enjoy a lovely Monday. The rest of the time, you need to focus on home and family and get things finally organized. Scorpio, the focus continues on family and domestic issues this week as you zero in on what is working and what is not. Your ruler Pluto smiles at Jupiter on the 6th. It's time to say what you mean and mean what you say to someone you truly love. The 8th is an excellent day to buy something just because it's beautiful. Sagittarius, stretching yourself too thin may be part of your issue this week. There are only 24 hours in a day and 7 days in a week. Pace yourself. Your ruler Jupiter meets up with powerful Pluto. Money matters and real estate are very, very good this week. Make the deal already. A friend's advice on the 7th is a little depressing, but very, very real. Capricorn, a good period for you to go over all those bills and streamline your financial habits. Many of you are experiencing major transformations. The 6th sees you truly feeling like you can see the future. Focus on what you want and point your star in that direction. A boss is difficult but manageable on the 7th. Aquarius, continue your birthday celebrations this week. The universe is definitely sending you some lovely little presents. A secret or confidential matter brings you benefits, financial or otherwise, on the 6th. Your ability to see the future is extremely high. Mercury moves into Aquarius on the 10th. Your mind is at your yearly best. Pisces, your hopes and goals for the future are highlighted this week, and the universe is helping you in ways you cannot quite imagine. The Jupiter-Pluto aspect on the 6th can truly unlock a door you thought was closed. On the 8th, a romantic mood hits. Whether thinking of love's past, present, or future, your heart will lead the way. This is Lisa with the Starline Report. Always remember to follow your star. Ooh, for me, um, it's love and money. <laughs> for me, I have eighth romantic. I'm going to mark it for someone I like. Ooh. <laughs> I, I am going to sign something on the 10th. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm going to tell someone I love something on the 6th. Really now, all of you at home, go back and uh, you can see when we're all born. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. But that's pretty good. Okay. I love I love Lisa. She's amazing. And she's actually going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. And she did. Um, I've asked all you guys to provide birth info. Um, I have everyone's except Frank's um, because Lisa Frank. is Frank. <laughs> I was hatched. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lisa will be preparing. Um, you know, a little bit of an overview. She's going to look at our charts. 
give us an idea of what's coming up for us? I already, I mean, I'm so excited. She emailed me and said there's like big stuff that she's got to talk to me about. So I'm I'm psyched. Um, You know, actually in February this month, we've got two astrologists that are going to be um, visiting us. One um, is a celebrity astrologist and the second one is Lisa. So it's going to be interesting this month. Oh, my gosh, fantastic. Yeah, I I sent you some stuff about uh, when I was 15, I had my natal chart done. My friend's brother, who was like a math genius, did it. And at that time, they couldn't do it easily by calculators. They didn't have them available. So he had to do mathematical equations. And, I mean, it took, like, forever for him to be able to do it. And he got my ascendant wrong. It's close between Scorpio and Sagittarius, he told me it was Sagittarius, and somebody since then who did it by modern method said it was Scorpio, but I sent you some of the information, and I was wondering uh, what you were going to do with it. Yeah, 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 I was wondering why you needed it. I forgot about it, so I'm glad we're going to do something. Great. Yeah, so she's on, I think it's the 23rd, I'll go back and check the date, but she's on in uh, in three weeks, and I'm going to tell you, based on you know, amazing stuff that she's already telling me. I mean, she's nailing things. And one of the most um, interesting things when we were on the phone talking is she asked me where I was born, and I said Neptune, New Jersey. And she's laughing, and I'm going, and she goes, where, are you, where were you really born? And I said, Neptune, why? And she said, Neptune is the ruler of psychics. And I went, oh, my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I thought that was really, really spot on. Yeah. So She's in really any event, what was that? She's uncanny. Yeah, she is. She is. So I'm excited about having her on the show, and we have a bunch of great people this month. Um, I think now, Frank, <laughs> are you? Uh oh! Every time you ask for Frank, you know. <laughs> I know he's not there, and I promise that away. I wasn't going to say anything ever again. Like Frank, oh, are you, you promised there? last week. It's now time for Frank Tadero's Paranormal News of the Week. Thank you, Lady Fontaine. Well, once again, it is a winter wonderland out there with the snow snow falling gently on the New York streets and people in Brooklyn thinking that it's alien invaders and tiny little white ships. Hello, Internet. I am Frank Tadero. Every week, the news and the web are filled with hundreds of new tales of people whisked away in flying hubcaps missing blinks found in the golf courts, and entities taking residence in old buildings yet refusing to pay rent. Here are a few that stood out to me. (laughs) Speaking of Brooklyn, UFOs were spotted over Brooklyn, New York. Some people in Brooklyn were convinced that aliens are swooping in for a little New York nightlife. (laughs) A video posted on YouTube, uh, which you can easily find on the net, just type in Williamsburg and UFO sighting and 40 different versions of this thing will pop up. This past Monday, this happened. It shows two unknown objects floating above Williamsburg. The person who posted the video writes, Spotted from my backyard in Williamsburg, I watched for about 40 minutes so I could tell they were moving, but very slowly. They sort of looked like stars, but were hanging too low, and the blue one was a bit too sparkly. The next night, the very same user posted another video, this time capturing odd objects flying over another part of Brooklyn. Something odd floating in the skies over Bushwick, the person writes. Amid the majority of the comments posted to the YouTube tend to dispel the fact that it may be a hovercraft, hovercraft carrying extraterrestrials. 
To the eye, it looked more like a plane headlight, one person wrote. It was too low. So far, there have not been determined uh, what these strange objects are. And this is exactly uh, the type of story that made every single nightly news program that night, uh, Monday night. I actually found out about this story, not by looking online, but turning on Channel 5 and hearing it at the end of the uh, news broadcast. Oh, so, so that really was, I mean, people picked that up. It wasn't just that one user who posted the video on it. Exactly. And that's actually um, what I kind of wanted to springboard off of right now. It seems like in the news, the things that do make it out there, barring any giant spirals over countries in Europe or uh, big circles hovering over uh, Moscow or whatnot, there are always these things where it's a tiny pinprick of light in the sky or a guy with a tinfoil hat standing in his front lawn saying that someone's trying to read his mind. And... What do you guys think of that? What do you think is the uh, is the point of posting this thing? This story of all the stories that happened this past week, getting this much uh, this much coverage. Well, I'm going to let Jim answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I understand the question. <laughs> the question being is, some hipster in Williamsburg got really drunk and filmed a plane in his backyard for about 40 minutes, and this made coverage. This made the nightly news on Channel 5, Channel 4, all the local affiliates of every major news network. Why? Well, February is sweet month, and they want to get ratings, and they know that this kind of story gets a lot of listeners and a lot of talk and a lot of uh, copycats. Yeah, they, they, they're out to get people interested in watching the news, and so if they present a story about some guy in Brooklyn who's seeing amazing things, it, it's newsworthy. It attracts attention. Did you actually see the video, Frank? Yes, yes, I did. And did it look like anything unusual? Um, compared to the wealth of videos that appear. Compared to the wealth of videos that appeared also in the same week, um, which whether or not the, they're real or not, just looked a lot better. Mm. Um, it wasn't incredibly impressive. I'm not saying that it's not, you know, oh, reptilian overlords. I apologize if that actually was you. Uh, <laughs> I, please do not smite me. But, um, but yeah, it just looked like a it looked like a plane to me. But you know, we don't get a lot of sightings here on the East Coast, at least in the New York metro area. Um, so I feel that's kind of like a big story for us. Well, there are a lot more than you think. Yeah, a few years back, the Hudson River was was an amazing, you know, uh, north of here, up in the in the Catskills and in that area, there was a tremendous amount of uh, sightings there. It, there was, you know, lots recorded. It was a whole flap, but but New York City had had its sightings uh, probably in the 80s and the 90s. I believe there was a lot. Oh, yeah, I mean, do you yeah. think that those but, sightings by the Catskills had anything to do with that plane with the bird attack going down in the, in the Hudson? I mean, that uh, that's kind of <laughs> scary. Well, I think it was a little earlier than that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying the fact that, that these things were happening at the same time, that somehow the air is being disturbed and, and it's affecting the, anything that's flying around in the mm. New York area. Mm. Well, see, this is exactly my point, though. Um, the fact that everyone just immediately made the statement that New York doesn't really have a lot of UFO sightings. It does, so many. So many get reported to MUFON every day, to so many different networks. Whether or not they're valid or not is, is a completely different issue. But there are, I mean, just per capita, 
there are the same amount of stories as there would be in the Midwest. Really? See, I didn't realize that. I mean, we don't have giant triangular ships that are maybe military experimental craft like they would have in Nevada or something like that. But the basic There's no room for them. There's no room even for a small car in New York. (laughs) Yeah, well, you also have to understand, I mean, there's so much light pollution in in, in the city proper itself that it's, it's just hard to see. But even with that, there was a just last last uh, winter. There was one a couple blocks away at the Triborough Bridge. You know, there was a really? UFO hovering over it. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh wow! Morristown, New Jersey. The there were lights flying around for for over a month. That was, I uh, remember, because that's not that far from me. Yeah. That I do remember. There, there there were a couple of them that made the news. Um, just part of the reason why I was so excited to do the show in the first place is that it's getting more and more prevalent in the news. When they're not drunken hipsters in Brooklyn who had just a little bit too much crystal. <laughs> and to our subterranean reptiloid overlords, again, if you are in fact hipsters, I apologize. Please don't smite me again. <laughs> All right, speaking of our, our uh, peeping toms from the planet next door, this next story is uh, well, less of a story, more of a uh, discussion topic, I guess, just like the last one. I ran across this in the American Free Press, the AFP. It got me thinking. The title of the article was, Is It, is it Smart to Send Messages Looking for Aliens in Space? <laughs> the Thrusetti, uh, London. In 2008, NASA beamed the Beatles song across the universe into deep space, sending a message of peace to any extraterrestrials who happen to be in the region of Polaris, also called the North Star, in 2439 reports Richard Ingram for AFP. Amazing! Well done, NASA! Paul McCartney said, send my love to the aliens. Send my love. <laughs> As the citizens of planet Earth strive for ever more enthusiastically to reach ET, some experts say numerous messages zipping through the cosmos are confusing, or little more than space spam. Others ask who have the right to represent the world to the galaxy, or question the wisdom of bellowing out our presence in what may be a hostile neighborhood. A lot of the stuff is very responsible, but I do wonder about some of the other stuff that's being transmitted. Albert Harrison, a a professor of social psychology at the University of California at Davis, said in a conference at the Royal uh, Royal Society in London on Monday, there's pictures of celebrities, of two political candidates, one identified as good, the other identified as evil, snack food commercials, love letters to rock stars, and so on. He added, when you start broadcasting and drawing attention to yourself, you have to be very cautious about the image you give, which is true in any form of media. We might appear as a threat to them. We don't know what will be made of these messages, and it could be years and years before we find out. What do you think of that? So obviously the author was born in New York. (laughs) (laughs) I think they already see us as inferior, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the attitude is that they're supposed to be light years ahead of us in intelligence, and, and that's why they're coming over to us before we get to them. Well, you know, when all that talk about the Roswell, you know, UFO crashes in whatever that was, the 50s or 40s or 60s, whenever it was, they actually say that they um, reverse engineered um, so much of their material, and that's where we got things like um, uh, um, CDs and, you know, different things of that nature. A lot of, um, you know, fiber optics and different things of that nature all 
were not originated by any brilliance here on Earth, but with actually remnants of spacecraft things that they found in that crash. So if that indeed is true, could you imagine what our society would be like if we didn't have that? You know, and I don't remember everything that was involved with that. I think lasers, fiber optics, um, you know, the, the CDs and things of that nature. I mean, you know, th those were major technological advances for us. So, and that was, what, 60 years ago or so? So yeah. I agree with Dean and, you know, basically what I've heard. We're like nothing compared in intelligence and technology compared to where they are. So they gave us our music and we're now giving it back. <laughs> well, technically, we can give it some back on vinyl. So, <laughs> see, I, I don't know. I, I personally have a little bit more faith in humanity, and I like to think that our, it's our in, own in, industrial know-how that we've uh, accomplished so much, rather than just stealing it. But, um, <laughs> I mean, when you look at planes like the Blackbird that were made uh, well, 40 years before they finally made that. Uh, the declarative statement of when they were going to be released. There's probably stuff in the skies now that looks like little green men should be piling it, but they're little earth-toned men, uh, for lack of a better term. Little Irishmen. <laughs> or, or maybe maybe over overseas, yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I I just I just feel like it's the stories that go back to pre-biblical times about these flaming shields in the sky. That's the anomaly. There is something there. Right. There's something that uh, is undeniably existing that's unexplainable yet. Right now, it's unexplainable. But so so far as like the microwave, the, having the copyright and the Men in Black downtown somewhere. I mean, it's. I think we're smart. I think we're smart. I think we can punch them if the need becomes. Bye. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I think that's enough go aliens ahead. for you guys. Let's go, go back to the uh, to the ghost stuff now. Go ahead. Ooh. All right. Go ahead. Play the music. Ooh. Do it. I'll Do it. For something good. <laughs> All right. Here we go. M6 crash report. I don't know if you guys read this story. It was back in January, uh, January 4th of this year. <laughs> back when there were owls in every home and, uh... <laughs> and that's, that is actually an audio clip of the M6, cra M6 crash uh, back that in January what? 4th. Um, investigators reveal now that they are unable to explain the certain facts surrounding this recent M6 crash and point to the evidence of corroborating rumors of paranormal activity Ooh. being partly to blame. January 4th, a leaked report in the recent crash on the southbound carriageway of the M6 just outside Birmingham shows that the investigation team are struggling to provide credible explanations for some of the circumstances surrounding the incident. Like what? Well, the pileup involved 17 vehicles, including three trucks, but miraculously, no one was killed although several people were taken to the hospital for minor injuries. One anonymous source closely involved with the investigation said that there are three specific areas they are finding increasingly difficult to explain. The tachometer readings of one of the trucks, the CCTV footage taken at the time of the crash, and also the lack of physical evidence to show drivers were present in three of the vehicles at all. What? Details remain closely guarded, but it is understood that the tachometer reasons, uh, readings clearly show that the truck's speed reduced dramatically about one minute before the accident, 
the, C, the CCTV footage, it's a closed-circuit camera, uh, is alleged to show a thin white line across the southbound carriageway, again, timed at about one minute prior to the crash. Mm. No one from the crash investigation team is willing to go on the record to either confirm or deny these reports, and it's understood that the entire investigation has now been turned over to another police department based in London, although, again, no one would confirm or deny this. But, last week... <laughs> that's the sound of the white line that went across the carriageway. Last week, January 29th, uh, there was a press release. One anonymous source closely involved in the investigation revealed that roadside closed-circuit TV footage recorded immediately before and after the crash clearly shows three separate incidents that are proving impossible to explain. Until now, all the supporting evidence had been continually dismissed by the authorities as they strenuously deny anything paranormal, of course, uh, was reported at the scene. However, the appearance of this new evidence comes at a time when sources close to the investigation are indicating that there is now uh, little they can do to provide a valid explanation for certain happenings that led up immediately after the crash. Footage has been compiled from cameras on both north and southbound carriageways before there's only one camera, remember, and allegedly shows that moments before the crash, that light appeared to cut across the southbound carriageway, after which the three vehicles at the front of the crash seem to lose control. Next, there appears to be a distortion in the footage immediately after the crash that is isolated to an area just by the original light source. It sounds like lightning hit and, and also affected the, uh, the mechanisms that were taking pictures of it. Yeah, it wasn't a storm. That's or my skeptical interpretation. I was yeah. going to say well, that, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, the thing of it is we don't know at this point, but it is based on what Frank is saying. There are a few very unusual events. I mean, like a minute before all these, you know, slowing down of the truck and all these other unusual things, and then that flash of light. I just find that very unusual. And definitely no could driver? be something metaphysical. What was that about no driver? Was there something about no Yeah, uh, that one I would like to hear about, too. The three of the cars had no drivers, Frank? Apparently so. Apparently they can't prove that anyone was in the trucks at the time. So they were they were either Autobots, Transformers of some sort, or uh, maybe that, these that, things. That's like beyond weird. I mean, well, you think maybe yeah. they were drunk and they ran? That's, so I mean, they didn't get arrested? Of course that's where your brain goes immediately. Um <laughs> That there was a crash. I don't know they if probably about my brain. Well, that's yeah, where yeah, everyone's brain would go because yeah. there has to be some sort of terrestrial reason. The extraterrestrial reason, however, or things that go bump the night reason, is these people were taken away. Exactly, that is the noise of a man being taken away in England. It's a very specific noise. Oh, Completely really? different, Hoboken. Um, <laughs> So so there you have it. These people disappeared, cars going out of control, immediately slowing down because of a streak of white light which shot across this, this carriageway or highway as we call them here. Well, I want to say that one time I was driving, um, this was many, many years ago, and I was approaching my home and all of a sudden this, um, it was almost like, um, an outline of a bird or something um, hit my windshield, but there was nothing there. It was just a, I mean, I jumped. I really thought something crashed into my windshield. 
but there was nothing there. It was just like a blob of energy. And I drove on, you know. I mean, God, thank God nothing happened. But there are very weird things that potentially can happen, and I definitely feel, especially they saw it on film, some 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 light source or something um, caused some effect. And I'm not thinking it's lightning, Gene. I'm just not. Well, but so I'm, you're I'm thinking more, it's, it's extraterrestrial somehow. Well, it's it something is, out of the ordinary. Is that a shadow, that a blob, a shadow, a light? Uh, you know, plenty of times there's a light in the sky that they even fly when there's bad weather to warn the uh, aircraft. See, I would like to see the footage. Is that available on the Internet anywhere? I haven't seen it. I only read the several articles uh, about the incident. I haven't seen any uh, the actual closed-circuit footage on it. Um, well, that would new, be kind of new scary. Somebody's hiding it, maybe. Because well, otherwise yeah. it would be all over YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's exactly a good the point. new footage. The new the new footage you're probably not going to see because the whole point was originally they thought this light was something to do with the camera malfunction, a quick flash of the lens, and some or some such. And now that there's another angle and they see the same piece of light shooting across, going sideways. Um, on a clear day with no rain or anything like that. And I know you can't have electrical storms and have the sun out at the same time, but it's a little weird that it's once directly across and no one is hurt. That's really the miracle of the whole thing is that right. no one, well, right. for lack of a better term, the wonder of the thing is that not one person, and it's a devastating car crash. It's a very dangerous roadway. Um, and it was funny, as I was doing searches for other stories, I kept finding these other reports of just tragedy. Like, like uh, this horrible, horrible, unfortunate loss of life, and yet this one, which was so tremendously larger, no one was hurt. It conjures the M Night Shyamalan movie with Bruce Willis, or the Unbreakable, or something. It's well, ridiculous. and it, and it's just so, so. weird. I, I would like to know more about these cars that had no drivers. I mean, that is really. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I I don't either, and I can't find anything else on it. If anyone has, please email the Lady Fontaine show. Uh, if you know anything else about that, I just I want to know. That's that's amazing. It is <laughs> because if one of them just turns into a robot, I kind of want to shake his hand. <laughs> <laughs> or something else, maybe not a robot, maybe something else. Don't think in limited terms, Hank. <laughs> just like Transformers. Geez. Okay. <laughs> well. The phone lines are open. Um, please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. They are here to answer all of your questions about love, relationships, and life, and tonight, also stories about the paranormal. We're here to take your calls. Please call 646-381-4141 to get expert advice on the things that are troubling you. Um, and they will be taking your calls until around 1220, so please give us a call now. So, Frank, was there? did you have anything else? Well, I do have one more story. It is a long one. I don't know go if ahead. you have time for it now. Well, go, uh, go ahead. I mean, what is it about? Uh, this one is about how a renovation stirred spirits. Okay, well, Edinburgh that's a good lead-in. <laughs> that's a good lead-in. Right. So go ahead. It's from Deadline, Block, uh, Deadline Scotland. Staff at a top boutique hotel believe that they may be accommodating some extra guests after hearing strange noises coming from the basement. They also said that they felt a strange chill when fetching linen from the underground cellar in the basement of 
Fraser Suites in Edinburgh. This apartment hotel, situated in the city's old town, lies just yards away from the notorious Mary King's Clothes Network of subterranean tunnels, where it is rumored that plague, vi plague victims were buried alive. Paranormal experts now believe the spooky site could be another example of the Edinburgh's check checkered past, famous for being riddled with death and mystery. The site was once the offices of Edinburgh's current to the UK's first regional newspapers and uh, lately serving as council building until 2007. The uh, assistant manager, uh, Laura Richardson, what's her name, said we've been using the basement room for storage and linen, linen and sheets. I'm going to skip through this article to some of the quotes about the paranormal. Uh, investigations, they had several paranormal investigators over there, uncovered phenomena such as people feeling invisible hands pushing them in one, uh, one particular vault of a room nearby, or people hearing footsteps when there's nobody there. Considering there's a, quite a high amount of paranormal activity in the area, it is quite feasible that there might be something at the Fraser Suites. Laura added, it was very hot times this summer, but whenever anyone went down to the old cellar, there was always one spot where it was icy cold. I know, uh, as you two, uh, being paranormal investigators, the, this is just me speaking, not the quote. Mm -hmm. um, they always say that if there's a cold spot, that's because there's a spirit using the energy in the room to manifest itself or do something or mm -hmm. manipulate the physical world in some way. And in order to do that, it needs to suck energy out so your batteries will die in your cell phone and you'll get cold and so on and so forth. Well, and that's all but, true. Yeah, this is, what, this is what they're saying is going on here. Uh, the quote continues, uh, it's very odd for, because the rest of the hotel had an even temperature and there had never been any other strange goings on in the rest of the building. It's a bit spooky to think we may have a couple extra unpaying guests. <laughs> sort of thing before. But the doors kept locked, so we don't use the space, so we'll be looking to ensure that it is very much, it very much stays in the basement. And where was so that, Frank? This is in uh, Edinburgh. Oh. Uh, not too far from the last story. Kind of just jumping around from place to place. We'll work our way back in Norway soon enough. But that's interesting. You know, it, it's very, very true. I mean, Jim and I, when we do paranormal investigations, when anybody does them, um, we see and feel and experience, you know, a lot of, a lot of different you know energy things like i'm very sensitive so i'll go into an area and i'll feel the difference in the energy but we go around with our magnetometers and different things of that sort and i mean we get you know different spikes but i always know when something's there when you feel the hot spots or the cold spots and sometimes you could actually sort of trace out the actual shape of who or what it is that's there with you can't you get it on a camera? Too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of, yeah. I'm very, yeah but I'm, the naked eye doesn't see them, but the camera absolutely. does. Absolutely. I have pictures. I mean, someday I'm going to get it up on my website, and I'd like to even do a book on it. Um, there was a point, and Jim, you remember this, I'm pretty sure. There was a point when every picture that was taken either by me or of me had something in it. Do you remember that, Jim? I remember seeing the, the pictures. Uh, Quite a few pictures. In fact, I remember a particular one by Lucky. Yeah. With the, with the, the, the spots of light on it in three different, four different places. It looked like like it was mapping out his chakras. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's no explanation I could come up for it. it yeah. Very, very strange picture. And because he was in the hallway, it wasn't like there was even any source of light. You know, where it could have been a reflection of anything, but he was in the hallway. And 
if you remember correctly on that picture, um, some of the light colors were green. Some of them were, you know, different colors that really matched the various chakra, um, you know, areas that it was it was going across. And I don't know if you remember this picture that my ex-husband had taken of me when I lived in Brooklyn, in fact. Um, I was standing in the kitchen, and he he took a photograph of me, and on the stove, floating above the stove, you could see this dog apparition. I mean, clearly, it looked like a Samoyed, and I never had a Samoyed, but I had a dog that was a Samoyed and Kali mix years back, and I just assumed it was him. Do you remember seeing that picture, Jim? No, I never saw that picture. You saw the one, though, of King, where I had all those lights coming in. It used to be, for some reason, my ex-husband used to take a series of more than one picture. And when he would take two two or three pictures of the same exact scene there, I would just be sitting there or standing there, and he would take multiple pictures. One picture would always be normal, and the other pictures would have something, be a, um, you know, echoplasma or... um, you know, uh, you know, really shapes or lights or something that you knew that there was some sort of apparition there. Yeah. Wow. And I've got tons wow, of... Wow, is right. All these people uh, wow. uh, snuck into the pictures or, or the dogs. It seems like animals see the spirits much better than yeah. we do, and maybe they come as spirits. I, I think it was somebody's husband had died, and she said they had a dog in the house, and there was a certain spot, like between two rooms, that the dog would, like, run away from. And they got the sense the husband was there and that only the dog could see the husband, but they couldn't. Oh, yeah. Um, there was one thing. In fact, Jim and I wanted to uh, talk about this. I, I rented a house one time after I got my divorce. Um, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do, so I just wanted to rent a house outside of New York just to sort of get my bearings and figure out what I wanted to do. So this house came out, came available to me in New Jersey. It was a great-looking house and everything, so I rented it. And just about the first night that I was in that house, um, in the bathroom, and my dog at that point, it was lucky. I had lucky... Um, in the bath, he, he used to go wherever I would go. So he was in the bathroom with me, and all of a sudden his head starts going around in circles, like he's watching something. It's just literally going in circles, and I'm saying, "What are you doing?" And I noticed his tail was between his legs, and he was shaking. Mm-hmm. And I knew he saw something, so I got him and me out of the bathroom like pronto and closed that door. And naturally, I would call Jim. So, um, I, and literally, that house started to spook me out so much that I was not able to stay in that house. And I broke that lease after, what, two or three weeks? I mean, I yeah. couldn't stay there. So Did you tell them the reason why you were breaking the lease? I wanted to, but Jim recommended highly that I don't yeah. because they were yeah. certain ethnic people, and he just thought that they would think I was trying to get out of it. So I made up some other story that I was got transferred for a job. Or Maybe that's like why that. they were renting it. Uh-huh, bingo, I think you're right. <laughs> but one thing that happened is we had um, a, a couple friends of mine came, and we were doing some, you know, what better home for us to be doing the paranormal investigations in. So a, a friend of mine, Diane and Jim, and I were sitting at the table one night, and I was so angry because, you know, I had spent a lot of time and a lot of money um, making this move, and there I was in a fragile and vulnerable emotional state anyhow and really wanted to be able to, you know, create a home for myself. And um, we were sitting at the table and we were trying to connect with whatever was there, and we had a tape recorder on, and the tape recorder was sitting in the middle of the table. And all of a sudden the tape recorder flew across the table, 
and I remember looking up at the room. <laughs> and you remember what I said, Jim? Yeah, you, you said that was I did that. Yeah, I yeah. said, oh, that was just me because it was my anger. I was so mad. I was so angry that I was sending out like this, and that that big emotion just moved somehow. That 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 I don't know how, but I mean, obviously it did. It moved it right across the table. I knew it wasn't a spirit and at I that point. I tying down my equipment after that. <laughs> but but we had a lot of experiences in that house, and my dog and I had a cat at the time too. She did as well. I mean, that was the main reason why I left that house. I I, I couldn't. I absolutely couldn't take it. I wouldn't go in that bathroom again. I was so terrified. And in fact, Jim being the skeptic. The yeah. right. What? There was something kind of creepy about the basement, too. Um, see, I remember the basement being the only part that was huh. not bothering me. Really? Okay. okay. Well, maybe that, that somebody in the basement didn't like men. Yeah, Ooh. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes spirits are very nice to one person and not yeah. so nice to others, just, just like animals or people. They have their favorites and they have their enemies, even if you don't know why. Yeah, right. no, that's true. And I remember, you know, I, I was telling Jim about the assortment of stories that, that I was experiencing. And, in fact, a friend of mine, Tom, had come to stay with me because I was so scared I couldn't sleep in that house alone. And then I asked my ex-husband to come out um, to stay with me, and then I realized I had to leave. I mean, there was no way I could stay in this house. But before we left, Jim came through the house and photographed every single room and Jim, do you remember what what photographs? Because you're Miss, Mr. Skeptic, and do you remember yeah. what photographs you looked at and said these these are the only two I can't explain? They were the ones from the bathroom, right? Right, right. There was definitely some, and I don't remember because I don't have the pictures handy, but there was definitely some um, light sources that were prevalent, and it didn't look scary in the pictures, to the best of my recollection. Did somebody commit suicide in the bathroom or something? That's I actually I'm felt the energy um, in the in the hallway below the bathroom. Um, when you the entrance foyer, I felt that there was some tragic event. I did not pick up on it when I was looking at the house, but when we started to do the work, I remember... Or a rape or a child molestation yeah, in yeah. the basement. Often these things happen away from the rest of the family, and the spirit was angry at somebody because it came out more at Jim than it did at you. Yeah, no, it was... Although in the bathroom, it seems like the person might have tried to hurt themselves. I, yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but often people do that. Yeah, no, that's true. That That was, you know, that was, for me, really spooky because it was someplace I was trying to make a home. But, you know, I, I definitely got out of it. You didn't feel welcome, did you? No, not at all. And, you know, some <laughs> people, question. it might not bother, but for me it did. Like, a lot of you guys know, I think, already that as much as I'm drawn towards this, I do have very, very specific boundaries. Like, when I'm doing spirit work, I don't want them touching me. I've had them pull my hair. I've had, I don't want that. You know, I draw very fine lines as far as what they can do. I don't want to see them, you know. In, in well, the they're setting up boundaries, too. Do you think? They want to be in control. I mean, obviously, they came back because at some point they felt out of control and they want to uh, take back whatever it was and regain control. So I could see that they'd pull your hair or do something uh, to try to get you out of the way if uh, you're interfering with that. I know. Well, I, have a, I have a question regarding that. You, uh, when, you, when you sense these things, uh, related to your ability and and, and so on, uh, how do you know if this entity was in fact human at all, or if it's something a bit more well, sinister? Well, we've had that nature? too. We've had that too. 
um, you know, uh, and this is a, this is really something that kind of like ties in with with one of the questions you asked me last week as well. You know, information just starts coming to me. That's why being a psychic and being able to communicate with the other side, you know, oftentimes even before we get to a location, I start you know, spewing out all this information to Jim. I remember one time we were doing somebody in one of the uh, uh, somebody that he knew in New York. One of the classes that he had taken, she was having some weird activity in in her apartment, and we, Jim and I went over there. He didn't tell me one word, and we got into the city. We took a cab up to her place, and on the way over there, I started saying, um, you know, what's the association with her and uh, her brother and a motorcycle? And then I sometimes pick up names and different things of that nature. It turned out that her brother had just died in, uh, with a motorcycle accident. Do you remember that, Jim? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Um, but, you know, so oftentimes I'm picking up just information before. Do you remember when we walked into Bridget's house, that one that you think was in Staten Island and I say it was in New Jersey? As soon as I walked in, I threw out a name. It was like a last name, Pecola or something like that. And they go, huh? And I said, Pecola, I'm hearing that name. And then they go, you know, people – we still get mail from the people who lived there here before, and they go and look on the top of the kitchen cabinet, and then there's a letter for Mr. and Mrs. Pecola, or you know, or whatever the name was. It was a weird name. It wasn't like Smith. Or how do you, how do you like know that. that? How do you know that whatever it is telling you the name is in fact something that used to be human? And well, not I could usually feel more it. like a poltergeist or something demonic. Well, I can usually feel it. I mean, there have been situations, in fact, in this home that that we're that I'm talking about with that name that came through. There was something very evil in that place, um, very, very evil. Um, and Could you find out the history of the home? Shouldn't that be easy enough? If, like the Amityville Horror, if something happened there, you would know, or you could, was it something more secret-like? We probably could. We, probably could have done it we don't do that, though. We, we do it all on our own stuff. Yeah, because we're a little different than the guys on TV because we're our focus wasn't just to to go in and see if there's a ghost there and then leave. Our focus was to try and help these people who are living in this house figure out how to resolve their conflict with the ghost or to, to help the ghost find a new place to be or move on to the next <laughs> life or whatever. I um, think we should open up safe houses for ghosts. Let's see if we can propose that to the government. <laughs> some sort of containment unit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the intention was to try and to try and alleviate the problem and trying to heal the situation instead of to try and just you know oh yes you have a ghost see you later you know <laughs> and so 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 we didn't really we were too concerned about whether or not there was there was a history that that works on that but 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 much more so you know what is this energy here and can we talk to it can we can we engage it can we can we uh, work with it and move it into a new new level of awareness or or understanding about what, what's going on. And maybe but maybe after you felt it and then had a sense that uh, that it was disturbed, if you found out something about history, yeah. you might then find out more about what the needs are because, yeah. you know, this, this entity doesn't speak to you that clearly. <laughs> a lot of people aren't that working, clear either. Well, you're working with Lady Fontaine, it does, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I, I kind of feel it would be interesting afterwards i don't want any information before even when i do readings i tell people i really don't want information because it really clouds what um, after after After, that would be interesting to do on certain things but this particular house was really weird because the 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 lady of the house 
um, was somebody that I knew through, um, uh, you know, some health spa that I used to go to. And she was telling me that her son, who was a nice, normal, you know, what, 8- or 10-year-old boy before they moved to this house, um, as soon as they moved here, um, he started, like, carrying knives around and different things of that nature. And she was asking him about it, and he was talking about an old man that was in the house that was telling him things to do. So Jim and I, we spent a lot of hours there, a lot of time. I mean, probably eight or ten hours, a tremendous amount of time. And that was probably one of the hardest spirits for us to um, get rid of. And what what had happened was when the little boy was, you know, walking around the house, I asked them to move the children into away into a different room. So they the, the boy and girl went into the room with their dad watching TV, and we were working the rest of the house. And then Jim, do you remember how? I don't remember how I knew what was there, but I remember that we had a difficult time in getting rid of it. Yeah. Well, I I, I we, what we. Maybe it would help to explain a little bit how we usually do things. Usually, what will happen is is we'll we'll find out about a place and a little bit of the understanding of what's going on, but not a lot. And I'll go through the house first with like all my equipment and try and get some kind of objective information. And then after that, Jill would follow me with all of all of the uh, the psychic information. And um, Ultimately, we'd sit down at a table and just kind of chat about what our discoveries were, and then we would try and 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 see what kind of impressions Lady Fontaine can get. Uh, and working with those impressions, um, usually she'd, she'd arrive at some kind of contact with the entity, and then we'd, we'd sometimes communicate with it, sometimes communicate with entities that are surrounding it, containing it, and uh, and then. Uh, I would usually guide uh, Lady Fontaine into some kind of a meditation that would help to contain this entity and move it on. And that in particular is what happened in this case, that we actually kind of visualized the jail for this for this entity and then sent it on its way out to Andromeda. <laughs> Sounds like this entity did a lot of bad things while yeah. it was on this earth. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad one. I, th- I have to say that was one of the most negative energies that I've ever worked with. Yes, but but the report afterwards was the be- best part. It was the best because, like, you know, a day or so or whatever it is later, I see her at the at the health spa, and I said to her, how are things with your son? And she said, well, the next day I said to him, um, is the you know old man still here bothering you? And he said, no, he left with those other people yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was very aware right. of the fact that we got rid of that spirit. That's the but, spirit but that happens. preys on children, and right. it sounds like some of those children were still uh, also back uh, trying to resolve things. And I do tend to remember that we picked up, you know, young young vibrations there, too. I don't really remember the details of that, but certainly that energy. And the irony is the way it sort of manifested to me was not an old man. It was this, like, witchy kind, you know, like when you think of that witch woman with a big hooked nose and that, you know, hunched over back. That's the kind of, it was that with a hint of um, gypsy-ness. It was female in the way it it was showing itself to me. Um, But it was, oh, boy. I mean, any, any, any power that, I mean, I didn't do that one alone. I called on 
just about any and everybody that you could think of in this universe to help me, right. you know, rid that house of that. Did you have you to have go to... back a few times ever? No, we did it all in one day. All in one day. Yeah. And we do, like on TV, they do it, you know, in the dark and at night. We don't. We go in any time of the day that we can get in. Um, we walk around, we have lights on, because we do it different. You know, we don't need, I don't need, when I'm drawing this stuff out, I don't need to, um, you know, have it dark or, I don't. I mean, we see, we feel, well, we hear. TV, they do that for effect. Like they say, if a room is on fire, usually the smoke is black. But on TV, they make it white so that you can see. Oh, so what okay. they do with ghost hunting on television, making it dark and scary isn't always the best way. Often during the day, everybody's the kids are at school, the the parents are at work, and and it's more convenient. That's when the ghosts have free reign. So if you come in, then you catch them by surprise. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Uh, a lot of a lot of the paranormal activity I've seen recorded has happened in the daytime. You know, like poltergeist activity, things like that. It doesn't have to be at night. And makes you, sense. You know, uh, the house that I grew up in was definitely. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on in that house, a lot. And Jim and I decided to go back to that house, um, I don't know, this must be like 15 years ago or something. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And we, you know, I, I, they didn't know we were coming, so I brought pictures of myself growing up in this house. And fortunately, the person who was living in it at that point was the person who bought it from my parents. So when I introduced myself, I mean, I think he was outside or I don't remember that somebody was by the pool. I don't remember the exact details. But we we went to the house. We introduced um, myself. I showed him pictures of me growing up in the house. He knew my father. So he actually asked us if we wanted to come in, and he was going to give us this tour around the house. Now, Jim, we were all prepared for this. Jim had a tape recorder hidden in his, you know, waist pack, whatever those things are called. Yeah, the fanny pack. (laughs) And um, you know, they start walking us around. But before we before we got there, I remember saying to Jim, um, when I lived in the house there was pink carpeting in the house and um, you know, I described whatever the kitchen looked like. But that night I had had a pink shag rug, I had one too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we lived in the same house. (laughs) No, Um, that was it for our teens at that time. But, but I know, but um, I had had a dream the night before, and I saw uh, red, red carpeting. I saw the bathrooms, how they were redone. I don't remember what I had said, but I, you know, I saw that they were different and how they were different, and I saw the kitchen redone in a whole different way, different layout and everything like that. So when we got to the house, the first thing we see when they open the door is the red carpeting. So Jim and I look at each other because, I mean, I, we knew this was going to be an interesting day. And he's walking us through the house, and we get to, you know, he takes us upstairs, and, you know, I see that all the bathrooms are redone. When we go into the kitchen, I didn't even know where I was. They had totally redone it, just like in my dream. I mean, it was totally, the layout, everything was totally different. So Jim had said to them, very matter-of-factly, have you ever had any weird experiences happen in the house? And they said something like, you know, as a matter-of-fact, um, one time we were sitting in, my, my wife was sitting in the den, and I was sitting in the kitchen or the dinette, and all of a sudden there's this huge crash. And what happened was the ceiling fell in the, um, in the dining room. Chandelier crashed down on the, on the dining room table, and everything was broken and all this other kind of stuff. But they had gotten in a structural engineer after, and they could not find any reason for that roof 
that ceiling to have collapsed. Um, and the irony is the two rooms in, in the house that were so haunted were there was two bedrooms that what my bedroom and a spare bedroom that were on sort of like one end of the house and I would go from one bedroom to the other because it would be like one would be scarier than the other and that those two rooms were above the dining room where the you know where the ceiling collapsed so in any event um, you know we had talked to these people and then um, we left we they never knew we taped it right. So so we get back in the car, and I take the tape recorder out. I remember hearing it go clunk while we were walking around, so I knew that it had finished one side. But I didn't dare take it out and turn it over and turn it back on because I didn't want to you know, make these people suspicious about what we're doing. Because uh, as far as they were, they were concerned, we were just doing a nostalgia trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when I got to the car, it's like I remember there was a, a, a portion of the tape that recorded, and then the rest of it was totally blank. And so I turned the tape over and put it in the car, and, and I was like frustrated. What's the matter with this thing? And, and it recorded our whole conversation all the way home. And it was off. <laughs> well, that's that's your memory. I don't remember it being off, but it, it may be. It may have been off. I remember um, you kept on looking at the thing, trying to figure how it could have taped the whole conversation going home. Uh, maybe that was it, yeah. But uh, but I do recall that, that, that a whole side of the tape was pretty much blank, and, and it, I mean, you could hear that it was running... I mean, sorry, you hear that it ran to the point where it hit the end of the tape and shut off. It goes clunk, you know, real loud. So I know that it, it recorded the whole side, but it just didn't do anything. It and I think at the beginning of the tape, we did hear us yes, yes. all excited about going into the house, and right. then nothing. As soon as we right. got in the house, not a sound. We got in the house, the, the recorder stopped, re stopped recording all by itself. And it that did entity didn't want to be recorded. Right. Yeah. Right. But to make matters worse, when we get back to New York, um, we drive up to my house in New York, and the outdoor porch light is on. So I go, oh, good. You know, my soon-to-be ex-husband, I said, oh, he must have changed the, the light bulb. So when we got inside, I said uh, to him, <coughs> oh, you know, uh, Louis, thanks for changing the light bulb. And he goes, what light bulb? I said, on the porch. He goes, I didn't change anything. And I said, well, that light's been out for a week, and it's on now. And then he gets mad at me saying, oh, it's all your hocus-pocus stuff and all your ghosts and all this kind of stuff. Because he didn't change it. So then Jim and I, were, we took Lucky out for a walk to sort of re-review the events of the day and get impressions of things. And, Jim, you want to take over on this story? Well, I remember, remember what happened? Lucky got kind of skittish. Uh, and, and then we got a sense that there was something up in a tree. And it was like it was like a shadow or something that was kind of hovering around the inside of the tree. Um, uh, and the tree is probably about eight or ten feet tall, and it's kind of like you know a large gathering at the top and an empty trunk at the bottom. So that you know there's a whole row of them, but this one tree he was very nervous about, and we were kind of looking at it, going, "What is that shape?" And we went in the house and we'd look out the window and we could still see the tree there and that shape in the tree. Mm. It took me a long time to get rid of whatever was came home with me um, to totally free, you know, my home and belongings and everything with it. I mean, what what they on TV they never deal with this, and I guess maybe because they're not sensitive, they're not aware of all this stuff that it can travel with you. But um, we, I, I'll take batteries out of, or I'll take my watch off. I won't even wear a watch, or I'll take batteries out of everything and destroy them because 
I don't remember what happened, Jim, but something happened with batteries. We learned how, that, was, that we needed to do that. Do you remember that was what the it was? That we brought back from, 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 your, from your, 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 home, your old home. When we came back, that tape recorder came with us, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's where it came. It, it came and from we were there, right. Perhaps it came along with that. And uh, so that was when we started the habit of trying to make sure things weren't powered when they came home. Right. Yeah, yeah. these things love to mess with electronic equipment. Yeah. Mm. Without yeah, a doubt. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, I'm famous for always having lights flickering and different things like that. I mean, you know when, oh, yeah. when things are around when I'm there because there's a lot of electrical stuff going on. I, went, I was once at this meditation group, and I was sitting, you know, by a table that had a lamp on it, and the lights were flickering and all the other lights. This particular lamp was off, and the lights were flickering all around, um, you know, on all the other lights that were on, and everyone was saying, Jill, it must be, Lady Fontaine, it must be your mother. Um, <laughs> and... Um, then when as soon as I got up to leave, that light bulb exploded in the lamp that was turned off. Oh. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I know. Some weird stuff. So, um, Frank, do you have any places lined up? Because I know you were thinking of some locations for us to do some ghost busting. Oh, he's not there. <laughs> Why did I set myself up? <laughs> <laughs> You forgot. We all forgot. We were having such an interesting conversation. But this is amazing. How is every time Lady Fontaine calls for Frank, he's not there? Frank. What is it? Frank. Are there tons of callers waiting to... Yeah, they're actually... Oh, I think we lost the caller. Um, Does anybody know if we have any callers? Hello, can you hear me? Hello, yeah, yeah, hello. Hear you. All right. Yes, I was actually just telling the callers that we unfortunately are running out of time and we can't take any calls uh, this evening. We did have callers, but again, uh, to everyone, to everyone, we just uh, had to turn away. I'm very sorry, yeah. uh, but we are in fact running out of time. Um, you know, I I didn't mention this to anybody else, but I am going to mention it right now that um, next week I'm going to be announcing a contest. And the winner of the contest, if they're located in the New York area or if they can get transportation to the New York area, um, will be invited for a night of ghost busting with us sometime in the future. We're not going to be able to pay transportation or anything of that nature, but if they are in the New York area or can get there, they can join us for a night of ghost busting. So I'm going to come up, I'm going to give all the details next week. Scary prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, Jim, uh, we have just like another minute or so. Are, th- are there any closing words or anything you sort of want to leave us with? Um, no, I'm 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 good. I I you know it's quite an enjoyable thing. I'd like to do the show again sometime. I'm, I'm having fun talking with you guys. You're you're a lot very interesting group. Okay. Oh, I love these stories about the uh, past Ghostbusters. Well, we definitely would love to do the show again. We would love to have you on the show again, Jim. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know if we're if Frank is around or at some point Frank said that he did have some ideas of some locations for us, and I've contacted a few different people as well about locations. 
We could do Huntington. Yeah, I we talked about that. My office house that was built in the 1700s. Well, did you get? Could you get the okay on that one? Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, we talked about that. I just kind of have to ask the person that owns the building and runs an office there if we can go ghost hunting. Uh, he might think I'm a little strange, <laughs> but then he might like the idea. Yeah. Um, how big is the place? It's not. It's a colonial. It's uh, it's a, a quarter of an acre. Um. It, again, it was a home, and it's converted into offices. Um, it's not that big. It's like in the middle of the block. All the houses were built around that time, and some of them were knocked down, and there's new uh, glass uh, houses of boxes there. But mm. the old ones stand on their foundation. Nothing can destroy them. Next door, they had a fire, and the foundation stood. Is there it a was basement? Rebuilt. As a crawl space. Okay. All right, well, I definitely don't want to go down there. <laughs> you never know what you'll find down there. I know, I don't think that. Have that's you had any odd experiences there? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, well defended against those right. as far as boundaries. Uh, I, I, I haven't felt anything odd, but I've been using that place over 20 years, so maybe the oddness and my own oddness just kind of blend. <laughs> You know, they don't come out when familiar people are around, but they might come out when uh, unfamiliar people are there. Right. Now, that's true. Um, that's about all we have time for for this okay. show, unfortunately, ladies. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that this was such a fun evening, and I really enjoyed it. And periodically, I would like to do shows on topics such as tonight's Ghostbusting um, and other paranormal stuff. Jim, definitely, um, you have an o open invite to come back at any time, but I'll be able oh, yeah. to and let you know the next time we plan on doing a show on paranormal stuff, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about some of the experiences. I think we've just sort of tipped the iceberg on some of the things that we've, you know, that we've done and experienced. And Frank, I want to find out some of the stuff you've done. I know you've done some paranormal investigations as well. Yeah, we need to have another show about this. And remember to tune in uh, next week, everyone, at 11 p.m. to hear more of Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo taking your calls live here and I in the future. To until any conversation and expert advice, as callers experience the best of both worlds with two of America's top relationship experts. Tune in next week at 11 p.m. Tuesday, February 9th. Our guest is psychic medium Artie Hoffman, who will talk to his angels live here next week. You will also join Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo taking calls, taking your calls. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo are now available to give you their expert guidance in private sessions. They'll be offering 15, 30, and 60-minute sessions. Please visit Lady Fontaine's website for additional information and to schedule your appointment with a dynamic duo of relationship and life experts who can help guide you through the life's challenges. Those interested in learning more about Dr. Cirillo, please visit her website at dr. JEANTV.net. Her book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Self Testing Your IQ, is available in bookstores now. Your weekly astrological forecast is provided by Lisa Elvin uh, Stoltari. For more information about her Starline report, her astrological predictions, or to have her prepare your astrological chart, visit her at starline astrology.com. Her contact info is also provided on Lady Fontaine's show page here on Blog Talk Radio. Don't forget to visit Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com 
to learn more about her or to schedule a private reading or life coaching session. You can also find Lady Fontaine on Twitter and Facebook for her latest announcements. Those interested in learning more about Eileen Kwan and her band, please visit myspace.com slash I-D-L-I-F-E-C-R-I-S-I-S. Those interested in learning more about Frank Todaro, that's me, please visit my website at frank, F-R-A-N-K-T-O-D-A-R-O dot T-V. Keep up with all the latest news and highlights about our lovely co-host, actress, producer, and acting coach, Joanna Sanchez. Visit her at J-O-A-N-N-A-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z.com. That's joannasanchez.com. And follow her on Facebook. Don't miss Joanna's exclusive acting workshop in Houston in February. You can sign up right on her website. This has been Eye on the Future with Lady Fontaine.